Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Lost Ladies of Lit mini episode. I'm Kim Askew here with my co-host, Amy Holmes. Hi, everyone. Kim, I was trying to think of a topic for this week's mini episode. And I don't know, as part of my brainstorming, I was like, maybe some of our listeners might want to know more about us. And then I thought, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> we're, we're better off just sticking to more interesting topics. I, I'd rather talk about other people personally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this train of thought got me thinking about something else. The Proust questionnaire. You're familiar with it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Vanity Fair magazine famously ends each of its issues um, by having the celebrity fill out the Proust questionnaire. It's a list of thought-provoking and kind of fun questions, which are hopefully going to reveal a bit about the interview subject's personality. And typically, I think they do. Yeah, it's usually the first thing I read whenever I pick up a copy of Vanity Fair, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then I started wondering, okay, why is it called the Proust Questionnaire? I got to assume that Proust, the French novelist, must have come up with the list of questions or something like that. Yeah, I, I felt like maybe um, he had a similar thing that he did and they took the name from that. But yeah, I wasn't really sure. I'm curious to talk about it more in this episode. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and turns out he did not create the questionnaire. All he did was answer a few of them because it turns out this questionnaire was a popular pastime in the Victorian era. Some refer to it as a parlor game. They loved those games. They loved they, those parlor well, games. They, had the nothing Victorian they didn't era. have Netflix. Yeah. They had nothing yeah. else to do. They had to come yeah. up with stuff if they had people. Their little there. science experiments and blind man's bluff. <laughs> yes. Oh, we should do a mini episode on all the different Victorian parlor games. Oh, yeah. I think they all make an appearance in Dickens novels. <laughs> we could probably just <laughs> okay. do Dickens novels and parlor games. Okay. Anyway, making a note of that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this questionnaire actually has its origins in a printed book. It was called a confession album. Um, I think there were various versions of them, but they would feature pre-printed questions with blank spaces that your friends or your guests could fill out. It <laughs> feels very slumber party-ish to me. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden when you were saying that, I was thinking burn book or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, Kim, you would come over to my house one evening and then I'd give you this book and be like, here, fill this out while you're here. It kind of keeps a memento of the person that came to visit you, but it's also fun and it's something to do. And a lot of famous people from the era have filled these out and some have been saved. So there are examples from notable people like Oscar Wilde, which I didn't have time to really do a deep dive looking for his responses, but can you imagine how good his must have been? Oh my God, I've got to go read those. Yeah, he'd be really yeah. good at filling out this form. Oh yeah. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Ooh, ooh, I want to read Arthur Conan Doyle's. Yeah. Paul Cezanne, Karl Marx did one. Uh, the author A.A. A. Milne also remembered them from when he was a boy. So interesting, but it still doesn't answer why this questionnaire is now called the Proust questionnaire. Is it because his answers were particularly like enlightening or amazing? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, maybe he somehow answered these questions so remarkably that he came to be associated with it. Well, I found his responses and I will let everybody judge for themselves. So he first filled out 
the questionnaire when he was around 14 years old. And it was from a book that was called Confessions, an album to record thoughts, feelings, etc. And it was printed in English, but he wrote his responses in French. So then when he was in his early 20s, he filled out a second one, which had slightly different questions. So I'm going to read you some of the answers and questions from both of these, um, just to give you a little bit of an idea. And you might hear my paper rattling a little bit while I'm doing this, so just disregard that. But okay, so I'll just run through some of them. Um, okay, so your favorite virtue. His second one, he responded, the need to be loved. More precisely, the need to be caressed and spoiled much more than the need to be admired. What you appreciate the most in your friends to have tenderness for me if their personage is exquisite enough to render quite high the price of their tenderness. I'm not really sure what he's going for there. Um, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Not, I fear, a very elevated one. I really haven't the courage to say what it is, and if I did, I should probably destroy it by the mere fact of putting it into words." Who is your favorite hero of fiction? Hamlet. I would probably have answered that at different points. I don't know. I'd have to think about it now. Yeah. But yeah. I, that's uh, good... What are your favorite names? I only have one at a time. I don't think he really answered that one. No. Um, which talent would you most like to have? Willpower and irresistible charm. He put all of his work into his writing, not into this. Yeah, so. well, I mean, remember that he was 14 at first. <laughs> yeah, one that's of them, true. But um, yeah. hold on. What is your current state of mind? Annoyance at having to think about myself in order to answer these questions. I kind of mm. sympathize with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then we have ones like your favorite color and flower. And he wrote, I like them all. And for the flowers, I do not know. I mean, you could do better than that. He wanted to get into the party. Yeah, he's like, come on. He was starting to get like, I just want to get to the party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Your idea of misery to be separated from mama. I Aww. was going to say something about his mom had to come up. If you didn't read one where his mom was the answer, I was going to be shocked. <laughs> his favorite qualities in a man, feminine charm. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> favorite qualities in a woman, manly virtues. I love that he swapped that. That's also very fitting as well. Yeah. Very revealing. That's great. Um, I'm trying to find a few more good ones. Oh, if not yourself, who would you be? Since the question does arise, I prefer not to answer it. All the same, I should very much have liked to be Pliny the Younger. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, anyway, so I don't know. I'm not getting any major genius vibes <laughs> with his answers. No, no, no. I think he did save all of the good stuff up for his novels, which is fine with me. And truly the whole concept of this questionnaire, when you hear the you know genesis of it, it feels very junior high, actually. Mm -hmm. I, here I was reading Vanity Fair thinking it was this intellectual exercise and had you know something very Proustian about it. And no, it was just really some dumb confession albums yeah. <laughs> that the Victorians were doing. Yeah. And I guess by the end of the 19th century, if you asked a guest to fill one out, they would probably roll their eyes and be like, really? Oh my God, this lame guy is still into this. You know? Yeah, as, as would happen now. Like, I think it would be too silly at this point. Yeah, it's like kind of forced. Yeah, um, yeah. 
There is one line from a Canadian novelist of that era. Her name was Annie Sevigny. And she writes, did any of you ever come under the torture of that modern inquisition, the confession book? (laughs) I love it. So she's Uh, kind of being snarky about it. She's over it. Okay. So we haven't quite gotten to the burning question, which is why is it called the Proust questionnaire? We still don't know. Right. Because it's like, yeah, he filled some out, but so did all these other Mm -hmm. writers. So why is it his name that is connected? Yeah. Why is it not the Oscar Wilde? Yeah. Okay. So I kind of have an answer. And that is that the first one that Proust filled out when he was 14 years old, that was a confession album belonging to his friend Antoinette Faure. And her father, Felix, eventually went on to become president of France. So Antoinette's son eventually found this confession album in 1924, two years after Proust's death. And he ended up having Proust's page in that album published in a French literary journal. Now, Antoinette's son was also a psychoanalyst. So alongside Proust's answers, he published an article sort of parsing out, you know, Proust's responses with a psychoanalytic bent. Remind me to burn my papers. (laughs) One. And two, that's pretty funny. That's pretty interesting to take that and do that. But um, yeah, I wonder what Proust would have thought about that. Yeah. So while confession albums kind of like went the way of the dodo, Proust's questionnaire made this resurgent comeback and it got people interested in this idea of the questionnaire again. They started featuring them in French literary magazines, sort of as Vanity Fair does now, where intellectuals would answer the same list of questions. A German newspaper started running it. So did England's Saturday correspondent paper. And Vanity Fair started featuring theirs in 1993, which is actually pretty recent, Uh all things considered. So then the idea of the questionnaire has also cropped up on TV a bit. I don't know if you remember the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh, yes. James Lipton. Yes. yes. <laughs> they yes. made fun of I that do. on Saturday Night Live, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he always ended his show with questions kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And today it kind of signifies that you are somebody, quote unquote, if you get asked to answer one of these, right? Which makes it even more funny because it just started as this dumb pastime, as we said. <laughs> um, I want to credit a 2016 New Yorker article by Evan Kindley, which provided some of the information that I've relayed here in this episode. And if you want to learn more about the Proust questionnaire and that story of how it came to light, we'll link to that in our show notes. It was interesting. I'm definitely wanting to read some more of these answers from famous people. Yeah. And Kim, I don't know if you know this, but when I worked at, I had my magazine job for like 20 years that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my sections that I was in charge of, it was called Star Talk. (laughs) (laughs) But it was basically, we would ask one question each week in the vein of one of these Mm -hmm. Bruce questionnaire Mm -hmm. questions. It's like a fan magazine, so we definitely dumbed it down a bit. But every week I had to come up with a new question to ask. And let me tell you, I think I did it for more than a decade you start to run out of ideas for those (laughs) questions. I was just like, what else can I possibly ask? 
And the actors that we featured in our magazine, they always hated having to answer them. I would always have this long list of questions for um, the actors and they would just be like, no, not these. (laughs) Because it's hard. You feel like you're put on the spot, right? You've got to sound really interesting and pithy in a short answer. Like it's got to be sort of revealing. And if you want to present who you are, like you want to come across as intellectual or whatever, that's a lot of pressure you're always going to think of the correct cooler answer later that night when you're lying in bed, right? Yes, absolutely. But part of the fun of it is that you do have to answer on the fly. Right. So that said, I know that we said we didn't want to bore listeners with anything about ourselves, Kim, but Mm -hmm. maybe we should try to do a few. Maybe we should end the show answering a few of the Proust questionnaire questions. And I did not plan for this. So okay. I have not premeditated my um, answer. So we'll, okay. we'll, we'll just do a few and see okay. if we come up with anything amazing. So we'll just ask a few back and forth if you want. Okay. Um, I'll start easy. Your favorite color and flower. My favorite color is black. Um, what? I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yes. It's so is. dumb. It's a, it's a flattering color. Okay. All right. Um, like your favorite, just, like I'm guessing to wear um, or anything. You I like, like the darkness of it. Okay. Like it. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I just like it. Um, I am getting real insight into you. Yeah. I There's mean, something you know. to this. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So what else can we find out of it? Okay. Let's see. So. Um, oh, wait, you didn't do flower. Oh, I didn't fl- do flower. Um, my favorite flowers are Ecuadorian roses. Ooh. That's a beautiful red, gorgeous rose. Okay. Uh, since that's an easy one, I'm going to answer it okay. too, because I can just, I know the answer yeah. already. So my favorite color is yellow, cheerful, happy. I and never then, knew that. Yeah. I know. Like you'll never see me wearing yellow, but yeah. it's my favorite color. Uh-huh. And then um, flower is tulip. A tulip is a cute flower and yellow mm-hmm. and tulip seem mm-hmm. to go great together. I, mm-hmm. I like it. I think it does show a little bit of who you are as well. Okay. So, oh yeah. I think of, I, I see some of these that could be funny for you to ask me. Okay. Which one? Your favorite name. If you remember the time long before I had my daughter Cleo. Yes. I, I don't, I, you don't even need is it start with a W. Yes. One day. Oh I, my God. I just, I announced during, we were shopping or something and I said, you know what I think would be a great baby name. And you said, no. And I said, well, Waverly. <laughs> and you said, what? And then later at dinner, you were like, oh yeah, Kim said um, that she would name it her kid Waverly. And I was like, wait a second. No, I didn't. And then I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. I did. It sounds very Bronte. Yeah, it does. Like Waverly climbed the moors. I used to love all those really dramatic names. Um, Victoria, Elizabeth, all queenly names. Those were yeah. always my favorite. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to sound funny to anyone besides us, but <laughs> Waverly, <laughs> I th- immediately thought of Waverly when I saw that question. Okay. Where would you like to live? England. That doesn't surprise me. London. You Anglophile. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is you didn't come to visit me when I was living in London. It wasn't for that long. It wasn't for that but long. You didn't come visit. Yeah, I'm surprised. Oh, you know yeah. what? I was engaged at you that You were point. engaged and you were planning your wedding. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah, because I flew back for your wedding. And then not that long after I ended up moving yeah. back. But yeah, anyhow. I, I love how I answered that so quickly. That must truly be like, I didn't even miss a beat on that. Yeah, we okay. don't need to psychoanalyze that one. That's no. just... <laughs> 
Okay. That's just right there for the taking. I mean, Simon Thomas, the offer still stands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Subletting your house. Yep. Okay. I have one for you, Kim. What is your pet aversion? Cats. Just kidding. I know that's not the question. I know. Cats, like, oh, like pets. The pet cat. Yeah. I was making a joke. Okay. Okay. Um, but it would actually be making any phone calls after 11 a.m. I think it's kind of an introvert thing. I hate calling to make appointments or doing anything like that after 11. Like, I just don't have the energy for it. But before 11, you're fine? I only want to do it before 11. Like, when I'm highly caffeinated and everything after that, I'm just, I just can't do it. I hear you. I don't even like to do it before or after. I don't 11. either, but I can I would prefer get like, together the gumption. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, will, yeah. I was always nervous as a kid, too, when I would have to make a phone call. Me too. I still am. Yeah. I don't know how we interview all these amazing people now. It just, it's become (laughs) so, so fun and easy. But if you had told me this when I was like, you know, 21, even that I'd be doing this, like, no way. What about your misery? The thing that is, what is the question? Um, Oh, right. Where he said, mama, my idea of pure misery, your idea of pure, what is your idea of pure misery, Amy? Um, accidentally taking someone's life, like hitting somebody in a car. Oh, wow. You went, I did not expect you to go there. I was literally going to say being at the DMV without a book. I'm like having deep philosophical I'm I'm having heart palpitations because I can't even think about the depth of human misery. I can't even go there. It's awful. I'm taking it real dark. I love that your colors are yellow and your flowers, the tulip, no, and you're I like getting really dark. And I'm the one who's like black with the Ecuadorian roses. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> my pet aversion is a cat. Anyway. Okay. On that note, I think yeah, probably we should go. everyone You've is had enough. done. If, if, um, still, if you're still listening. I need um, to go have a drink while yeah, I contemplate deep, morbid thoughts. <laughs> yeah. If you're still listening, we want you to join us next week when we'll be joined by Hollywood screenwriter Bridget Hales to discuss the life and work of Ruth Prower Jabvala. She's a Booker Prize winning novelist and two-time Oscar winner who penned the lion's share of Merchant Ivory films. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Until we started looking into doing her for this episode. So, so crazy. So amazing. It's going to be such a great episode. We both love Merchant Ivory movies. So if you're loving this podcast, do us a favor and leave us a five-star review over at Apple Podcasts to let us know you're out there. We might even give you a shout out in an upcoming episode to thank you. We will. Mm -hmm. We will. Let's just say we will. Uh, Bye, everybody. Our theme song was written and performed by Jenny Malone, and our logo was designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Amy Helms and Kim Askew.